Hey, everybody, and welcome to the Not Boring Business Podcast. I'm your host, Jeremy Redman, founder of YourV1.com. This is not suits and handshakes business. This is not boring business. Let's go. But like, uh, as I was saying, like NextGen is such a great community because it's helped my business tremendously. And because I get tremendous value, I feel like I have to, I give back. You know what I mean? Like you guys are so good with like, uh, tagging me or the company in things that like are relevant. So it's easy to give value or to jump on, jump in a DM with someone and go, here are some alternatives. I use this for free. Here's some free resources. Let me know if you need any extra help. Right. So it's like building that is something that is incredible. Like, in, like I said, the guy who dropped out of college to come work for me in LA, we met through the next gen community. I love that. That, that makes so, my day hearing. Sincerely, man. And that's coming from someone who gets the, the trials and tribulations of entrepreneurship. And you, I'm sure, have been a part of many a networking group, many a community, many an event, and thus that sincerely means the world. And again, we have a long way to go to continue getting better and, and better serving, better supporting, and ultimately being a home for people like yourself. But you figured it out. You just explained exactly what the model is. If we can add value to you, then you're going to turn right around and give it back to someone else. And that person thus is going to feel the value, and they are going to turn around and give it back to someone else. And, and that's community in a nutshell, right? If you give first, it'll come back. <laughs> Yeah, absolutely. Like, I really feel like it's so hard to build one of those communities as someone who has tried and who's been a solo entrepreneur for my entire entrepreneurial journey to be able to. um, uh, So a former business colleague uh, introduced us and introduced me to NextGen. And I'm thinking to myself, I've never heard of this. What is it? I'm looking at the website. It's like apply to the conference. And I was like, oh, man. And then we came on as an advertiser and, or a sponsor. And it was like the greatest. I, dude, I'm telling you, it was the greatest conference that I had ever like gone to, oh. let alone like had a booth at. Amazing. So it is, you guys did a really great job. How long has the conference, like in 2019, looked and felt that good? I, I so appreciate you saying that. And it's only because people like yourself are there that it is able to be an event where people are saying it's the best one they've ever been to, the best conference. Um, so we, we started the first conference in 2015, although I will be very brutally honest with you and tell you that if you came this past June 2019 and then we could magically go back in time 2015, you would be like, what the heck is going on here, right? This is not the same company. These aren't the same people running this thing. And right. of course, you know, when you think about it, you zoom out, okay, five years, we figured our stuff out. We got good at our processes. We figured out operations. Uh, but I, I'd say that in the past two years, more specifically, this conference, Next Gen Summit, has been at the level that we are so proud and hope to only continue raising the bar from. You know, the first couple of years, we had to get our stuff figured out. We had to spend the time doing it the hard way, doing it the long way. And when you have no money, you, you have to always figure out what to make of that, right? And you definitely yeah. get that, and entrepreneurs understand that. Um, but I'm, I'm really proud of the way we continue to level up. And you know what? You said this was the best time. 
if 2020 is not the next best time, then we did our job wrong. We failed, right? And that's <laughs> now the, the perils are being good. You got to continually get better. Uh, and we have a long way to grow. And, and there's a million things that while end of the day, I was very happy with that event. And I so appreciate you and, and those kind comments. Um, there were also a bunch of things that we want to improve on. And that's the fun of it, right? And, and the coolest part sure. about what you and I get to do as being entrepreneurs, being founders, we have that entire responsibility on our shoulders. And if I am telling you right now, September 2019, that I want June 2020 to be the best, well, it's up to me if it happens or not, right? And, and my incredible team that's working with me every day in the trenches. But ultimately, if it's not even better, there's no one else to blame but, but the man in the mirror. And mm. that's a pretty cool ideal. And I don't think many people, the average American or the average person who's working today in the world can say that. And, and so that's why I think I'm so in love with the idea of entrepreneurship. So tell me this, uh, I got an idea from you. I th Well, I didn't pay much attention to it because it just seemed like another follow-up email after the conference. And <laughs> then I went into the email and the PDF that I think uh, Michael sent to me, I yeah. believe, I'm, I'm not sure. But it was like tailored to me, had pictures of us like at the booth mm -hmm. and our shirt. And I was like, holy shit. Like that... This is quality <laughs> end to end. But like you said, it doesn't start off that way, right? right. Like it, uh, we, we are six months into our company, so we're still figuring our shit out, right? Like dealing with people that spend money and trying to rectify any things or deadlines or timelines or expectations. Right. Early, early, early on. So take me back to 2015 where you were like, oh, shit we shit the bed with this piece or <laughs> we could have done this better. It doesn't start with like handing people a personalized PDF after the fact and going, we really care. It's like you're figuring stuff out as you go. Is there any one thing that you look back at and go, man, do you remember that? Like, do you, like, can you imagine how like Flintstone startup-y we were with this? <laughs> like some of that grind. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I, I so appreciate you asking that. What a great question. And Honestly, fun to think back to, but also pretty frightening. And I might have some nightmares tonight. Um, but I'll tell you this, and then I'll, I'll backtrack from here. The very first session of the very first day of the very first Next Gen Summit, about 10 minutes into the opening talk, the backdrop falls down. So let, let that frame the conversation, right? <laughs> yeah. The freaking backdrop falls down mid-session. And we have to stand up, and, and Justin, my partner, and I are like, okay, everybody continue, it's okay, the show's going on, and it did, and, and it was all right. But I think that's a microcosm that's pretty representative of the entire first year. Uh, we came into this after a small experience entrepreneurship, Justin and myself, before NextGen, and we just really enjoyed the idea of being surrounded by like-minded people. Getting to talk to a Jeremy Redman is an incredible experience, especially when, heck, maybe I'm a fellow 18, 19 year old who knows like three entrepreneurs on my college campus, I wanna go meet them. And that's really the thought behind NextGen and the first NextGen Summit. We wanted to bring those few hundred people who shared that passion for building something different, get them in one roof, and who knows exactly what's going to transpire, but it's gonna be pretty magical. And that was a nice aha moment. From there until the end of the first conference, it was basically putting out fire after fire after fire. We had the smallest team and we had some core volunteers, but really end of the day, Justin and I were devoting our time to this. 
and yeah. and that was that was it. We were getting our hands on listservs. We were emailing like crazy. Uh, anyone who would listen to a pitch, we would try to sell them on a conference ticket. And I think we ultimately sold maybe six or seven tickets, and the rest were given away for free. So we had no yes. revenue, zero yes. paid sponsors, not a single partner, and we had to figure it out. But what we did have was quality people. We actually ended up convincing some great individuals, some incredible speakers to join us and uh, from Forbes Under 30 folks, former NBA and NFL athletes. We had a decent lineup, which was pretty spectacular for a first-year conference. And yeah. that was what we were committed to. Right? We said, even if the backdrop's going to fall, let's get the right 250, <laughs> 300 people in this room. And that's all that matters. Right? That magic will thus occur, even if we're in the worst venue in the world. Now, it turns out we actually were in the downtown Hilton in Austin, Texas, so that was nice. But mm. I'll tell you that it was constant struggle, constant problem solving. We moved the date back two times just because we couldn't get our stuff together in time for the conference, hence the Fire no ticket Fest sales. <laughs> yeah. You, you, you learn every, when I, have you watched the Firefest documentary? Oh yeah, the, the Hulu oh, and my, the Netflix. <laughs> yeah, dude, I watched them both. I was getting anxiety with yep. like, why aren't they just pushing this date? Like all hell to like refunds or whatever. Don't give right. them refunds, but don't let them show up with that kind of experience. You know what I mean? Like don't let them show up while you're still doing this. Right. A month before ago, we're pushing this date. You know what I mean? Like, sorry about your plane tickets, uh, whatever. But like yeah. to have the, but anyway, so you push the date. So that would have just caused, how, how far out did you push the date? We were date. probably, so it was about two months before when we pushed the date back from mid-June to the last weekend in July. So we postponed about a month and a half. And that actually wow, okay. was exactly what we needed to get at least the, the right people there, if not the exact number of attendees that, of course, two very uh, idealistic young men would want. Uh, we, we tried for maybe three, four, five hundred, and we ended up getting about 250, 300 there, which was a massive okay. win in its own regard. Um, but definitely need to tamper expectations in any year one, whether it's an event or a business. I, that's something that we've just learned, and I don't think you can fully understand and wrap your head around until you're in the moment. But yeah, that sure. pushing it back was what we need to do. And, and to your point that you bring up, right? If you are going to put out a subpar product, then it's going to ruin your brand forever. And right? there's no yep. coming back from that. We, Great. while we didn't have the best product in the sense of an event, uh, in terms of you know, all the logistical operational aspects, we had the best people. So it was still the best community event across the country, even though the backdrop fell down. And, and that's because we tried to get all the pieces together, right? And we tried to push the date back and, and figure it out. Uh, it, it was still not our most proud event, but we did it. And, and there's some merit in that itself. Yeah, so like if we go back to just the, the backdrop falling, that's one thing. But like internally, uh, so two things. One, I believe you actually took advantage of that second chance, right? Where most people would probably have pushed it again or if they pushed it the first time, they wouldn't have had a good experience. So like you actually took advantage, right, of like the time you gave yourself right. in, that, in that date push. So like one, kudos for that. Did you ever feel like before you were, as you were building this community and as you were coming out with this conference, did you ever have like, uh, why the fuck are we doing this? Like, yeah. well, oh yeah. my God, this is hor And what got you through that? Yeah, I think for that first year, we were so excited 
by the ideal, right? And what this could be that we probably just were running on pure adrenaline, right? Pure excitement. And that gets you pretty far, but doesn't get you all the way. And when you're doing things like putting down a down payment on a hotel in Austin, Texas, without a single dollar revenue, and you're looking at your childhood savings and our bar mitzvah money slowly fading, um, <laughs> it's tough, right? And it's really not fun, let's be honest. Um, Justin and I were fortunate that we did have a small business before this, that we had the ability to even consider such an opportunity. Um, but those days are not easy. And I think what we kept coming back to in those moments, one, we had the support of each other, right? That's massive. Um, you mentioned earlier, Jeremy, that you're a solo founder. That's the reality that you unfortunately have to face alone, whereas I had the absolute benefit of having a partner who was living every day, breathing the same air as me, going through the same struggles with me right by my side. That's a luxury, right? And that's just sure. something that I'm fortunate for. So we had each other, but we also had this belief that if we got something off the ground and we got at least a bare bones version of our vision in play, it would be great. And that could set us up for something the next year. And it probably would be not exactly the ideal as day one, but it would be a little bit better than, than the previous year, right? And that's what we kept telling ourselves because we believed that this should be out there. We believed there should be a community, an event that stood for these early stage entrepreneurs who haven't quite made it yet, who are not on the Forbes under 30 list today, but are going to be. Because we both Absolutely. know, we both know this group is destined for great things. It might be two years, it might be 10 years. I can't tell you that. But I can tell you that when you get into this mindset with these people, good things will come of that for everybody involved. Okay, so you bring up co-founders. Now, I have gone at this as a solo entrepreneur, and I finally got to the stage where I'm like, okay, we're good, we're at six figures of revenue, we're doing a lot of things that we can, I'm able to hire staff. There you go. And I've, dude, I've painstakingly done this, and it looks like, it looks easier, right? Like, it just looks like I've gone, Okay, you've gotten lucky, you've done these things, but it's been a grind for four years to get to this point, making like next to nothing. Um, and it would help to have a co-founder there, right? Yeah. I always think about that. And early on in my journey, I had a co-founder and then they left when shit got hard. And then I had another one and, they, and I got tired of that abandonment, mm. right? So I was like, I oh, know I'm not gonna share this pie, right? I'm gonna share it with the staff who I have to pay a little under market and then give them some equity to compensate. And having that co-founder, there's a lot of benefits, but there has to be times where you two have butted heads, right? Like, is there, yeah. is there any point in time where you've like, uh, I don't think any two people can be so, can be both 100% in the same direction, yeah. doing the same thing, going, we see the same vision, and it, it's backed up by stats, right? Like. I think Y Combinator or the innovator's dilemma uh, says that 65% of startups fail due to co-founder disputes. Mm, right. So like, how do you handle disputes with uh, your co-founder, Justin? Yeah, that's such a great point. And um, you raised such a multiple different topics that we could dive in really quickly on the uh, issues that unfortunately you had to deal with having a co-founder abandon you. That, that's the worst feeling in the world, right? And that's going to influence your next decision, as you said it did, right? And that's just the reality of it, right? You can't remove yourself emotionally and say, oh, well, it didn't work out, but next time it will, right? right? That's just not how human beings work. We're going to pull from our past experiences. So I'm truthfully sorry that you had that experience. And of course, you're not alone, right? You are 
perhaps one of those 65%, although you figure your stuff out, you're still standing today. So kudos to you for even being able to say that. But to, to your question, um, of course, there are many times Justin and I disagree. Heck, we probably disagree on something every single day. Now, every single day, it's maybe way minor uh, decisions that are, are being made that we're not spending more than two seconds talking about. But even at a higher level, to zoom out and think about large questions like vision planning, right? Like strategic road mapping. Where is this company going? Not this afternoon, not tomorrow, not this week, but three months from now, but six months from now. And every time that we have had such a decision that we're not 100% on the same page, it's easy to quickly jump down each other's throats, right? And to say, you're wrong, I'm right, and here's why I'm right. The hardest thing, which has taken some time to get to, but where I'm so proud to say we are now, is to be able to press pause and step back for a second. And whenever we have one of these moments, I say to myself, Dylan, does your partner, Justin, care about NextGen with his whole being, with his, all of his might? Okay, the answer is yes, right? And that's clear to me. So if he cares about this company, which you care about with your whole being and every single bit of you, to the level that you think he does, is he going to make the decision he feels is the best for the company? Well, okay, the answer is also yes. So he's making a decision that he feels is the best for the company, that you are too, but it just happens to be a different decision. So now I can't be mad at him because he's legitimately doing what he thinks is best for our shared baby. And thus, maybe he's just coming at it from a different angle in a different light. And now it's, there's no personalities involved. Now it's just a business decision, right? Now we're going to talk about the metrics involved. How did he come to his suggestion? How did I come to mine? Where's the evidence? You mentioned, you brought up a few stats, right? Where's the, the proof that we can point to to say which one is better than the other? Versus, which I feel is the case for the majority of those 65% of businesses that fail due to co-founder issues, they're going at each other. Right? They're thinking, that person doesn't care as much as I do. That person doesn't work as hard as I do. And I am so blessed to be able to say, Justin and I don't have those. And yeah, again, like, maybe that you, wasn't always. But Are you that lucky right, that you got a co-founder? That's the, and dude, you guys are tremendous individuals. And I love, this, I love this answer. It's almost like you knew this question was coming, but you did not know. <laughs> for, the not, for the not boring nation, this is like off the cuff, Dylan amazing individual now uh i it has been my experience where most people right like not even that 65 percent, like more like 90 percent will what if things come up in their own life rightfully so they should think i've got to take care of my stuff mm. right yeah. like so you asked a really great question and that question was does he care as much about next gen as I do, it's our baby. And if that, I think that's a very important question to ask and audit constantly. Like, does my co, like, and that could help any co-founders. Is it, do they care as much? Or on the first, not first sign, but maybe 12th sign of something failing, do they care as much about the company still as they did 11 mistakes ago? Yeah. Right, so like, or is it where, you know, they had a kid and they've got to pay their bills. And now the company has went down a few pegs. Do you ever think about that down the line where if they have to start uh, thinking about more of themselves and less of that baby where you still consider that baby, the, well, the company, your baby for the next 10 years, no matter what's going to happen. 
Like, yeah. have you guys gone at it at the same level of execution and dedication? And do you see that going forward for the next 20, 30 years? Yeah, such an insightful question. And something that I, I should start by saying, uh, I'm fortunate and, and Justin and I are fortunate to be on the same page in life. And what do I mean by that, right? We're, we're both out of school now. We don't have families where we have to provide for, let's say, a child or a, a spouse. Uh, and that, of course, removes a million different potential factors that could contribute to, to this answer. Um, now, all of that said, I do feel that I am so, so lucky, as you just alluded to before, to have a partner like Justin in a relationship like we do, where we are aligned on not only the, the one-year vision, but the five and 10-year vision, and that I don't even have to worry about, does he care enough? Because we have spent this, this five, six-year journey getting to the point where that is just a given. And of course, you can't take that for granted every single day. And there are moments when it becomes easier or harder to see that. But end of the day, until maybe that 12th time you mentioned does occur, I don't even think about that. Right? We all have off days. We all have good days and bad days. That's not even part of the equation anymore. Because we both know that we are so aligned on where we're going. And we both want to get there. We want to get there, maybe not the fastest, maybe we won't be there tomorrow, but we want to get there. We know we are going to get there. And we also have a pretty good idea of what we have to do to get there. And that's really what gets us up out of bed every single day. And I know that he's getting out of bed fired up. I'm getting out of bed fired up. We're here bright and early, staying late at night because that's what we feel we have to do. Not because it's a mandate, but because we want to. And I think Absolutely. that is where we are so fortunate that we are fired up by our business. It's not work. Right? Someone, I forget the actual individual who said this, um, but find a work life that's worth unbalancing. Right? It's not about work and life balance. It's about finding a life that's worth unbalancing. Because that's what I truly believe. If your work is yeah. not aligned, then your life's not going to be balanced. And if your life is not aligned, then your work's not going to be anything. Um, and we're lucky to be on the same page there. So I do believe <laughs> that at the end of the day, I am just plain up, plain up lucky and blessed. I can. I will now consider you a. No, you are the luckiest founder I think I've ever seen. <laughs> That's it. Period. Like I, I'll dude, take it. I'm telling. And it, better. I'd be, rather be lucky, luckier than good. <laughs> That's you know true. I mean? So I like power to you. So I you mentioned. Um, uh, you mentioned like coming up, like building your list, building your community, like. Uh, actually taking steps to make it happen, yeah. doing what no one else would do. A lot of times people are like, I want to start this membership community and I want to start this membership app. I get it all the time. And I almost like say, are you willing to put in the work for this? Mm. Right? Like I'll help you and I can get the price down of the tech down so far for you, but it's going to be about your execution right. if they're going to stay on our platform. You know what I mean? Like, so do you, ha like, sometimes I want to step in and they don't understand how hard it truly is and they think they're going to throw up this community and it's going to be shared around the country and all these people are going to come to their conference. But that's not really the case. So, like, how, what was your most effective strategy coming up that was also practical that got you to the point where you were like, yeah, we have something here. If it, you mentioned the complete outreach, anyone that would listen. Do you have a strategy or a tactic that would help people yeah, that, that want to do the same thing? That's such an insightful observation, Jeremy. And it sounds like one that you've had on multiple occasions where you've seen somebody with probably a really amazing vision, right? Something that you might believe in yourself and that has merit to it. 
but perhaps they don't have the operations in place to bring that mm. to life, or they haven't even thought about that, right? And so I'll give my, a two-part answer here. The first is that at NextGen, from day one, we committed to just providing value without asking for a single thing in return. Uh, starting from our first conference when legitimately no one paid for a ticket, but even our membership, our digital presence, everything year-round is completely free. Sure, you have to apply to be in our online community. You have to apply to come to our events. And our events do have a ticket price, but a low ticket price, about $249 on average, which hopefully for a three-day event is not something that's going to eliminate everybody. And if there are financial barriers, we also have a, a pretty robust scholarship program. So I'll, I'll say that with a small qualifier, we don't ask for much from our entrepreneurs that we serve. But we hope that our value providing is going to 10 or 100 or 1,000x the value that we are asking for in return because our goal is just simply to serve. And if we can give, give, give and create this culture that not only uh, promotes giving but rewards giving, as you laid out before, Jeremy, then that's a win for us. And that's how community spreads. When one person comes in, has an incredible experience because they received so much more value than he or she ever thought that they could, they're going to tell their co-founder. Now they're going to tell their friend or post on their Instagram story about this next-gen group that you got to join or this next-gen summit event that you have to be at in 2020. But they're not going to do it if they have an okay time. They're only going to do it if they have a great time. And that yeah. brings me to my second point, the concept of true fans, right? Tim Ferriss talks about it. All these incredible entrepreneurs talk about you only need 1,000 true fans to have a million customers because those 1,000 true fans who actually find value from what you're doing, they are your marketing engine. They are going to get you well more than $1,000 in Facebook advertising spend will ever mm -hmm. do because yep. they're gonna go talk about everything you put out there. They're gonna read your articles. They're gonna follow your podcast. They're going to share your tweets and they're gonna to come to every event you host and they're gonna be an active member of your community because they are a true fan. And so to anyone who might be in that group that you talked about where they have this great vision for a community, for a network, for a membership, I would not focus on what the pricing structure is going to be from day one. I'd focus on how are you going to get 1,000 people to live and breathe what you're doing because they find so much value from it. And if you don't have the answer, that's fine, but go figure it out. Right? I'm not telling you you have to have it perfectly figured out when you launch, but you have to understand the concept there because that is what community is. Giving more than you receive and never expecting anything in return. Right? That's the beauty of it. And when it works, it's beautiful. And when it doesn't, that's when you might get into trouble. Absolutely. Like, is there, is there a certain thing that someone can do to build a community, though? Right? Like, is there, a, is there one? Like, I love that from a theory, like a theoretical yeah. point of view. But, like, one hack. Like, how did you get the, the athletes at the beginning? Yeah. Like, how did, well, did you, was it a connections? Was it outreach? Was it I had to email 150 people to get one response? Yeah, great question. So definitely a lot of emailing and a lot of, uh, I won't say no's, but maybe even just some no responses. But what we focused <laughs> yeah. on was the value we had to offer to even these athletes. And so it's the same concept to these athletes who are looking to grow their platform, whether that's their social media brand presence or perhaps they're looking to start up invest, right, and get in front of some companies. We knew we had that to give. And so what we'd say to a potential athlete is, hey, come speak at our event. And we're going to get you in front of a couple hundred companies that you may wind up learning more about and actually investing in one day. And that's actually happened from our, our 2018 lineup. Some of those folks ended up taking us up on that and actually cashing some angel checks. And for others who are maybe looking to now be a thought leader as they perhaps come to the end of their playing days and are switching careers and 
want to be more involved with the ecosystem will provide unique opportunities for them to get what they're looking for out of it. So we wouldn't necessarily lead with, hey, come speak at our event, we want you so badly. We would definitely tell them how badly we wanted them to speak, but we'd say, we're gonna make it worth your while. And to answer your question more broadly, I think this can be done at a micro level. And so if you are looking to build your community, build your network at a grassroots stage, and you are, let's say, living in a city like in New York or in LA or in SF, you don't have to start a thousand person conference. Why don't you find a place where you can get 15 people together for an hour, right? Go around and have a nice discussion. And then after a great event, ask all those 15 to give you the name of one more person. And then you host a second event, right? And get one more name from each person. If you do this over a year, I mean, the compounding on that is astronomical, right? And now, soon enough, you will have that thousand person network. And so I think it's all about the value you can curate and create. And for every person, that might be different. For us, we have this audience, this incredible group of young business leaders that people want to get in front of. And so we can leverage that. For you and your 15-person cocktail party, it might be that you got really cool friends other people want to meet, right? Who knows? That's up to you to decide. But it's how you can use those small opportunities that you don't have to go big year one, but will set you up for the long-term community building success. Amen. Like, that's it. That's it. That, what a great, brilliant, tactical... You're a tactician of building communities, Dylan. I appreciate that. Everyone needs to start with that first person that loves what you're doing. And that first person helps you get your second person. Those two people help you get your 10 people. And so on and so forth. So many times people do... I actually just had someone tell me, well, I'm not going to build this app because I need a thousand people on it. And I'm like, why do you think like that? Why, mm. why are you thinking like that? You got to think, what do I need to do to get to my first user and have right. that first user have a great experience? Then they get you your second user. So like, I absolutely love that advice. And Dylan, you're amazing. I know your time is precious. Where can people find you and the next gen community to get involved? Because I highly recommend it. And I would love people to just see the value that I've seen just in the last four or five months I've been a part of it. Jeremy, I so appreciate you and, and the opportunity to come on, of course, but even more so the value you have provided to me, to the Next Gen community, to every member you've interacted with. It has been an absolute joy and pleasure getting to know you a little bit over the past year. And hopefully it's just the beginning of a longer relationship. I know it is. And I'm so excited to see that and where everything goes for you and V1. Uh, but if you're interested in anything I've spoken about, you want to learn more about the event, become a member of our online community, the first thing you have to do is join our Roundup newsletter, which goes out every single Monday evening, coming out tonight. I know that you might not be listening to this live, but Monday evenings, <laughs> 9 p.m. Eastern, 6 p.m. Pacific time. You can get on board by going to our website, ngsummit.com, ngsummit.com, slash email. Super simple. Drop your email in there. From there, when you get your next newsletter, you can find links to apply for the online community. You'll hear all about our events, but that is the best way to stay in the know with everything we're building in NextGen. And we look forward to hopefully meeting you soon at a conference. Cool. Thanks, Dylan. Jeremy, absolute pleasure. Thank you. Take care.